1: Hello. Hey, Brian. How you doing, man? Good, good. It's good to finally meet you. Uh, Same here, dude. Nice to meet you. Oh, my gosh. That that collection behind you is
0: insane. Oh, dang. Dang. (laughs) Taking a long time. Yeah, I love it. So, Brian, this is Toys on Tap. You're on the podcast. We're talking to you about the newest installment of the movies that made us. Season three on Netflix. Uh, we will touch on some other stuff because I'm super excited to have you on. You produced one of the shows that kind of birthed this podcast along with the scene that I'm in. Oh, wow. So, yeah. So I'm excited about that. So if you want to introduce yourself and maybe go through a couple of the accolades and we'll start from there.
1: I'm never good at this. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I, my name is Brian Volkweiss. Uh, I am the founder and current CEO, uh, which I always put in quotes, because it cracks me up. Few people are less qualified to be a CEO than me Uh, of the Nacelle Company. Uh, We make Toys That Made Us, Movies That Made Us on Netflix, Uh, Down to Earth with Zac Efron on Netflix, Uh, Kevin Hart's Guide to Black History on Netflix, Behind the Attraction on Disney Plus, like I said, I'm really bad at this, uh, but we do. Uh, oh, we do a toy store near you on Amazon. Uh, we have the center seat coming out next month on History Channel, all about Star Trek. So we produce a lot of stand-up comedy. Now apparently, we make toys. So we uh, we do a little bit of everything.
0: Yeah, the toy part is what I'm super excited about. So I'm glad that's happening. So as a a a jump in to touch on we'll start with like the toys that made us because that's the predecessor or like the the kind of the made us thing that I fell in love with before I saw the movies that made us what is the vision behind doing a series called something that made us what is your vision behind that
1: well I mean the the idea was always very simple it was and you know, the show took me seven years to sell. So it, wow. it, it people now, and I'm talking about non-toy collectors,
0: mm-hmm.
1: people now are starting to understand the power of toys yeah. and the, the value of them. But I mean, I used to be in pitch meetings all the time where I'm like, you're doing a show about X and that entire industry makes 80 million a year. The Toy Biz, like Transformers alone makes billions. Star Wars alone makes billions. So it was always really weird to me that like I'd be talking to these very smart people at networks and like nobody understood how big toys was. Mm -hmm. So the idea behind the show, which is what we ended up doing is It really was a very simple, deep dive into the history, one toy per episode. So usually other than like a 20 minute YouTube extra or some sort of bonus feature or something, like you didn't have anything only about the toys. Like you would have a two hour documentary about Star Wars and five minutes or less was about the toys. So other than of course, the great um, plastic galaxy that Brian Stillman made. Yeah. But so that was really the inspiration, like get people as excited about these toys as they are about so many other things they're excited about. Like that was it, it really was that simple.
0: Yeah, which is incredible and the excitement level I remember watching it when it first came out and I think you touched on, like I wasn't as excited because I didn't think I understood like the coolness or the meaning behind toys. And then I watched it again as I started doing this podcast. And as I started working with resin and bootleg artists that are using those toys to create new creations and sell with super seven and all these things. And that show took on a whole new meaning in and of itself. I'm, I'm happy to
1: hear that. I'm especially happy to hear you watched it twice. That's good. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I can say with full conviction, I have watched that show all the way through more than twice. So I am the views, uh, but I, I, I'm excited about that. And then it's been like, we've all been anticipating another season. And so we all researched and everything. And then it's just been a big year in general for like the toy side of Nacelle company which is crazy. Like you have acquired RoboForce. And then today the drop that you got Mark's toys, which is incredible. What's what's the the acquiring of these licenses that have been around for years? What is the dream behind that? Are you looking to maybe recreate that passion, that childhood like wonder that once existed with these toys? You
1: know, you're asking a, a very logical, direct question. Mm-hmm. And I, I hate to tell you this, but I mean, I'm gonna give you back a very vague mumbo jumbo <laughs> answer, but yeah. it, even though it's vague and mumbo jumbo, it's still the truth. Mm-hmm. And the truth is my entire career, the best way I can explain to anybody how I have built and continue to build the company It's this lyric from a a Leonard Cohen song. And again, I apologize. Maybe one day I'll have a better way to explain it because this is not a great way to explain it. But the line from the song is, um, I am guided by a signal in the heavens. Mm. And what I mean by that is, if you had said to me on January 1st of this year, hey, Brian, Do you think that you will own any IP from the 80s? I would say, no, I don't think we will. And then if you said to me on January 1st, well, let's pretend you buy RoboForce. Do you think you would be manufacturing toys for that brand (laughs) this year? I'd be like, what the hell are you talking about? No, yeah. why Why would we be manufacturing toys? But what tends to happen for me, and again, I, I always like to say this, like I didn't go to business school, you know? Like I, I'm really just doing the best I can mm-hmm. and it seems to be working so far. So this guy, Michael Goodman, like was all over me to do a deal with him. He reached out to me I ignored him for months, and then I finally, because I respected his tenacity, did a Zoom with him, thinking it would be a waste of time. I thought what he had to say was brilliant, so we did a deal with him that basically, it was it was barely a deal, like it just, and by the way, I should mention Michael Goodman, <laughs> maybe everybody doesn't know who he is um Michael Goodman was a toy agent meaning that one of two that I think exist in the world he would represent little toy companies or little inventors or smaller designers and get them deals with Hasbro or Mattel Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and then that and he would commission that deal that was his job for 15 years yeah and our first deal with him i was kind of like i admire this guy's tenacity he seems to kind of know what he's doing um let's do a kind of can i curse my love yeah, curse?
0: absolutely
1: you know let's kind of do a bullshit deal because what he all he wanted to do was be able to tell people that he had a deal with the nacelle company Mm. And that would allow him to do bigger and better things. So uh, there was no downside to me. And I thought maybe some upside. And I think we originally, after we did the deal, I think we had a regularly scheduled call once a month. Like that was it. And then I think in less than three months, it became very apparent to me that he was an extremely talented executive Um, and I started to realize our growth was being hurt by how limited our deal was. Mm -hmm. So I went to him and I said to him, I'm like, Hey dude, I know you've owned your own company for 15 years, but it, I don't think it's good for you or me to only be talking once a month. Like, let's do this. Like, if we're going to do this, let's do this. Yeah. And He uh, he agreed to basically become one of our, you know, to work with us. Uh, You know, as somebody who owns their own company, it's very hard to shut your own company down. So I'm very grateful that he did that, and it's exactly what I had hoped for, but on a magnitude exponentially higher than I could have possibly expected because what I didn't understand about Goodman was his whole career. He knew where these IPs were. Yeah. But he didn't have the means to get them. So mm-hmm. after he had become a full time employee, he was like, What do you think of RoboForce? What do you think of Power Lords? And I was like, Well, can we get them? And he was like, Yeah, I think we can. So <laughs> We got Power Lords, then we got Robo Force, then we got Garlu. And now we're in the process of packaging them for TV shows, but simultaneously. And then because we had hired Goodman, then we hired David Vonner, who's the head of boys' Toys at Mattel. And now he's designing all our toys. So this is what I'm telling you. Like, I don't sit here with a master plan or a spreadsheet or whatever go to the forest and, you know, meditate. It's just something happens. If it's bad, I stop doing it. If it's good, I try and do it more. And that's how the whole company
0: has been built. Yeah. Well, from the outside perspective, we're excited that you keep doing that. Well, thank you. Uh, So we... You did that, and then there, you're also in the publishing, and the, you're with Barbarian Rage, and his comic came out, which is exciting, because we, we talk to Barbarian Rage all the time and and know him, and and it's is that another one of those pieces where it fell into place just like that as well? So,
1: you know, it's so funny. Again, you know, I gave you a, a Leonard Cohen quote. Let me give you another quote. So there's this great line, I've always loved it since I was a kid, and I don't know it perfectly, but I'll paraphrase it, where um, Sean Connery in Hunt for Red October is talking to Sam Neill and he said, the minute I saw the blueprints for this submarine, I knew what I had to do. Mm. And with book publishing, I had a good friend of mine who owned a real estate company that was making a fortune on books. And i I was in Denver, he lives in Denver and I was in Denver and I was having dinner with him. This is somebody I've known 30 years. Yeah. And I said to him, I go, dude, what's with all these books? And he told me about their book business. His name's Josh Reed. The name of the, I wanna give him credit. The name of the company is Bigger Pockets. Mm. It's like one of the biggest real estate website company publishers there is. And um, I said to him, I go, listen, would it bother you anyway if I copied your business model, but instead of real estate do like toys and pop culture? And he was like, well, first of all, no, it doesn't bother me because I copied it from someone else, but it's publishing, you know, it's been around for a thousand years. Yeah. So, but the way his company did it, I didn't know that that existed. Mm-hmm. So I basically, we did a deal with all the companies they had deals with. And then we announced that we were publishing books. And then we started publishing books. I mean, it, it really is that simple.
0: Yeah. It was exciting to see because it's um, when we, the scene that we function in and where this podcast is every once in a while, you see people break through into like a whole new scene or uh, into a new level. And so companies like Super 7 and the Sell Company, those are companies that are helping that breakthrough. And it's incredible to see from the inside. And so yeah. I,
1: yeah, I mean, it's, I, to say that I I know this is not your point, but, uh, to say that I am obsessed with super seven, uh, would be quite the understatement. I, uh, and by the way, this year, I mean, boy, have they been on a tear. Oh my God. Every week it's like 2001, like what? Like every week, it's like another thing I've waited for my whole life. Like it's, it's really unbelievable. And one of the greatest things about this point in my career is, you know, I could sit there, you know, waiting for an Uber and see that they're doing 2001 toys. And I can text Brian Flynn right then and there, like, (laughs) I'll see, you know, every time NECA puts out one of these Batman uh, weapon things Mm -hmm. that are, I don't know if you've seen them, they are gorgeous. Yeah. Um, You know, I can text Randy Falk and be like, yo, dude, these are great, you know, bust his balls about the weird batteries they use. Like (laughs) the fact that I can just reach out and touch these people that I've looked up to and never thought I would know. I I still I can't even believe it happened. I really can't. I,
0: I re, this is all so really very su- surreal. Yeah, it's it's incredible to see, and I'm glad that all these, from a, another outside perspective, I'm glad that all these companies know each other. We always, I, I at least I do myself. I envision all these companies as competing, but the fact that you can text them and and like bust their balls about their toys or whatever's going on—that's incredible to hear. We interrupted this broadcast of Toys on Top to bring you this. Meanwhile, in a galaxy of bootleg treasures.
1: DOV2, we have agent
0: failure!
1: We must crash land on DKE Toy Planet! Oh my! We're doomed!
0: Wait! Salvation! Hooray! We're saved, DOV2. Limited edition custom artist made action figures and DKE Toys! Check out www.dkatoys.com for a full catalog. The for custom action figures. DKE. Well,
1: it's funny. I'll tell you the opposite of ball. Bu- I, I guarantee you Randy Falk likes my battery ball busting more than Brian Flynn likes every single call we have. I tell him he needs to do a reaction figure of Captain Jelko from Next Generation. Every call. I spoke to him two or three days ago and at the end of the call, I'm like, oh, Brian, by the way, don't forget. You gotta do a Captain (laughs) Jelko figure. Like that, again, I I, and you you know the people I work with, dude. I work with Kevin Hart. I work with Dwayne Johnson. Like they're awesome, but Get it? Like being able to text. It's the weird things, dude. Like last night, I got a text from Nancy Allen saying that she liked the uh, RoboCop episode of movies that made us.
0: Mm. Yeah, that's. I mean, incredible. here's
1: a movie I've been watching since I was ten, and I got a text from Officer Lewis. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's just nuts.
0: Yeah, and I, that's so we're gonna do a a. a pivot into that in a second the so you you we've talked a little bit about all these toys and uh, all that you when i saw the post about mark's toys full disclosure i'm only 30 years old so those were made way before me and i didn't fully understand but i as i went through some of their toys and some of the things that i'm assuming the cell company will start to reproduce uh I realized i played with them because my grandfather had them and just had a big box of these toys and um, like their cowboy and Indian figures that would go together and were incredible. So I'm super excited for whatever comes mm-hmm. out of that. Um, as we were here, this is the main event. We're here for the movies that made us. Grand idea, uh, we'll start top down. What, just like we talked about for toys, what was the point of the movies that made us? because movies kind of get talked about a lot already. So what's your inspiration there?
1: Well, it was really funny uh, what happened. And I feel like it's a really good Hollywood show business story for the people that are not in the business to un- to show you how Hollywood works. Um, when season two of Toys That Made Us came out and Netflix was really happy with the numbers, mm-hmm. um, We, uh, Netflix asked me to come in and pitch how we could broaden out the franchise. Um, I shit you not. We spent way over a hundred hours creating a tape and a deck for what would have been the video games that made us. Oh, we spent six weeks on it or more the day before the pitch, the, literally less than 24 hours. I can't even tell you again what made me think of this, but I said to our art department, I was like, can you take the famous poster from Die Hard of Bruce Willis in the, in the wife beater in front of the uh, Nakatomi Plaza mm-hmm. and Photoshop on his head, Frank Sinatra's head, because I don't know if a lot of people know this or not, Die Hard is technically a sequel to a Frank Sinatra movie from the 70s. So I made a poster. I made one poster. Yeah. I think the entire thing took 45 minutes between me talking to the head of the art department and holding the fucking poster. Yeah. It's about 45 minutes. So I go into Netflix with a 100-hour piece of work and a 45-minute piece of work. And obviously, you know the end of the story, the uh, they greenlit movies
0: that made us. We may need to set up a future meeting at some point to talk about the games that made us, because that sounds incredible. So you you go in, you pitch that idea, um, and was it an immediate, in that meeting, an immediate sell, they were all about it?
1: No, that never happened. <laughs> that may happen to other people, not me. Yeah. But like I. I've I've sold things in the room uh, in 23 years. Uh, I I believe technically three times, but I would argue two of those don't count. So I would say really uh, one time did I get an offer in the meeting? No, it it always drags out. I mean, I'm negotiating a deal right now um, between the pitch and today, and the deal is still not closed. It's been almost nine months
0: oh my gosh yeah so So
1: that's show business baby
0: yeah it's a it's like a tense I hate meetings and you're describing my worst fear uh so you create that first season do you do that season and then bring it back to them and say this is where I'm headed this is what I'm doing this is where we wanna go? Or do you create one episode to display to them? How does that work for you? Well, what Netflix
1: did was really interesting. They greenlit season three of Toys and season one of movies at the same time. Okay. So we were making those two shows simultaneously. So we worked out with Netflix what episode, what movies we would cover. And then this is the greatest thing about Netflix, it's really hard to sell shows to them, mm-hmm. but after they buy from you, they really trust you to just do it. Like awesome. they give great notes, the best notes ever practically, but yeah, we made four episodes simultaneously. They gave us notes and then we just delivered it. It came out, it
0: did well, they greenlit more. Yeah, so they get, then you got season two and now season three as you're developing season three, so that's why we're here, what is the reason that you chose those movies? And then as maybe a secondary question, uh, if I remember correctly, the last two are from the holiday movies that made us, like a short, correct? They're not shorts. They're full episodes. Yeah. But we released those
1: as the holiday movies that made us, and mm-hmm. they did fine, Yeah. but... It just, there was so much confusion about what, wait, what's that? What's this? That we made the decision with Netflix, of course, that we would just combine it all so that people now can watch all 16 in one
0: place. Yeah. So when you're deciding for season three, what's the process you're going through to figure out that you want these episodes to be in season three?
1: So for every episode, so like they told us we were going to get 12 episodes. Okay. So for every episode slot, we submit five ideas to Netflix. So for, I'm bad at math. So let's just say it was 10. So for 10 slots, we submitted 50 ideas. Mm -hmm. Netflix came back and was like, we like these 18. So then, and that's based on their data, because almost all the movies they've had on the service, so they know what works or doesn't work. So then we dig into those 18 titles, knowing we can only do 10. And we basically pick the 10 movies that have the best stories about the making of a movie. And then we go off and start research. Once the research is done, we, uh. You know we do the
0: uh the, we shoot the show
1: then yeah. we edit
0: and so what is the deeper part for you what is it what's that feeling like creating these episodes in season three of movies that you would have grown up with that you would have watched as you were younger what's that kind of like
1: dude it's it's just it's nuts i mean there's, there's nothing like it yeah. um you know, I got to fly to Dallas with Ed Newmeyer, you know, like I text with Ed Newmeyer now. Like <laughs> I got to interview Gail Ann Hurd for three hours. Like yeah. I got to, you know, when I was interviewing Gail Ann Hurd, it was like, here's a movie I've been basically studying for 30 years. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, is this true? Is that true? Is this true? Is that true? Like, so I'm a fanboy. Yeah. But it's being recorded and I'm getting paid to make the show. <laughs> like, I mean, it's just crazy. How many people have a job like that? I mean, it's literally a hobby that's become a job.
0: Yeah. Which is incredible that you are in that sweet spot. And also as just an offhanded, like to be able to say that you text with the people that you've watched is in crazy, crazy things. Yeah.
1: It's, it's, wow. it's
0: great. I mean, I still
1: can't believe it. Like we do this show for History Channel that comes out on November 5th, center seat, 55 years of Star Trek. Mm -hmm. Gates McFadden does the narration and she's an executive producer. I text with her all the time. Like, I mean, it's nuts. Like we're not even texting anymore usually about Star Trek or the show. Like I know her. Like it's
0: very, very surreal. Does the question? This is has nothing to do with the show. When you're hanging out with friends, do they ever say like, "Oh, what famous person have you texted this week"?
1: <laughs> that that question has not come up, but um, you know they all get it. Like, yeah. like again, I work with some of the most famous people on earth, and if Dwayne Johnson were on the Zoom, he would not be offended. Like. I love Dwayne, he's the nicest guy in the world. He's exactly who you think he is. His company, I've never worked with a better partner, mm-hmm. but I didn't know who Dwayne Johnson was when I was 15. Yeah. I knew who Nancy Allen was when I was 15. Yeah. I knew who Gail Ann Hurd was when I was 15. I knew Ed Newmeyer. So like, that's what makes it crazy.
0: Absolutely. So as you were looking back over your three seasons of the movies that made us and looking over um, the holiday movies that made us as they were separate when they first came out, what is it like one to stand on this side of three full seasons and that feeling and, like, and how how well it's received because the ratings have gotta be incredible because I, I all I do is I hear about these shows. But then as a second part to that, what what was your favorite episode out of those ones that you wanted to produce the most?
1: I mean, the episode I'll give you two answers. The episode I wanted to make more than anything was RoboCop. I mean, right. I, I I was trying to get RoboCop greenlit but like since the day the show was greenlit. Mm-hmm. So that that was the show I, episode I wanted to do the most. And the making of it, I mean, was I mean it was just heaven. I mean, Kurtwood Smith was so fucking funny. Nancy was so classy and also very funny, and just also so honest. I don't know if you've seen the episode or not, but like mm-hmm. she just told so many stories that like it was just shocking, like how honest she was about everything.
0: We interrupt this broadcast of Toys on Top to bring you this. Earth, two, <laughs> Kentucky. Kentucky and landed i want lowbrow art and bootleg toys will you come to the right place earth to kentucky is a shop for folks who love vintage sci-fi lowbrow and art bootleg toys Toys, they're located over there at 836 main street covington kentucky they carry original art vintage action figures designer bootleg toys and and t-shirts designed exclusively for their store by some of their favorite artists thank you i enjoy earth to kentucky I have all my favorite bootleg art toys. toys. Hey, look
1: at that over there. It's a spaceship.
0: I need to go now. Someone's filming me in my spaceship. Shop now, www.Earth2Kentucky.com. That's Earth2Kentucky.com. Or just land your spaceship when they're open.
1: But the other episode I always got to go back to, man, is Dirty Dancing. Like, when I was growing up, I was in this circle of kids that their boys were Star Wars, the girls were Dirty Dancing, mm-hmm. and if we watched Star Wars, as soon as it was over, we watched Dirty Dancing for okay. for years. That doesn't mean I was the biggest fan of the movie, yeah. but I was almost weirdly enough as familiar with Dirty Dancing as I was RoboCop. Yeah. So. It wasn't the same as meeting Linda Gottlieb as it was meeting Gail Ann Hurd or Ed Newmeyer. don't get me wrong, but she was so cool. And just so, I mean, she was like 80 years old when we were shooting, like, mm-hmm. like acting with the energy of like a 50 year old. Like it was mm-hmm. like the greatest experience. And I really think it's a tie for first place is uh, Dirty Dancing and RoboCop as is the two episodes I've enjoyed the most making.
0: Yeah, because that inner kid part of you is probably going crazy. And I can only imagine in the midst of those conversations with those actors and actresses, it's just hard to contain probably at points. I I have to be on my best
1: behavior. Uh, Gates... Uh, who, like I said, is an executive producer on this uh, Star Trek show we have coming out on History. Um, She had, oh, I hope she doesn't mind me telling this story, but she had booked one of the, uh, a big cast member to do our show, to do an interview. And she was like, I like to hope she was joking, but she probably wasn't joking. She was like, Brian, please don't be in costume when that guy shows up. So that's, I mean, that shows you a window into our relationship and our world. Like, yeah. like she booked the interview that we could not have gotten without her. Mm-hmm. But then she still has to be like, hey, Brian, don't be a lunatic fan.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, and then the second part of that whole thing is standing on this side of three seasons, What's that pride feel like? What do you feel in looking back at all the work that went into those seasons and and everything that came about from that? Because you're making, you're bringing to life so much of what we've seen and so much of childhood and all that stuff. So what's that like?
1: You know, just to give you another movie quote, or it's not a quote, but like, There's this great moment in Terminator 2 when the Terminator and the T-1000 are fighting for the first real time Mm -hmm. in the factory and they're really fighting, it's like to the death, but the T-1000 is able to pin the Terminator's arm in that gear, that kind of random gear spinning around for no real reason, Um, but I just remember always the minute the T-1000 realizes that the Terminator's stuck, he just turns around and walks away. Like Mm -hmm. he doesn't even try to finish killing him. He just leaves. It's like threat neutralized, back to the mission, kill Sarah Connor. Yeah. And that's kind of me when it comes to answering your question. Like I don't look back on Mm -hmm. 16 episodes, like, woo, we did it. I'm looking forward and I'm like, what's next? Like I'm never I'm never satisfied with what we've done. I always wanna do the next
0: thing. Yeah, if you were, as we are coming into like the back end of this interview, if you were looking and trying to tell someone and get them excited about season three and about things that uh, are in those episodes How would you do that? How would you, what would be something you would say to them to get them excited about it? I would say if you look at the movies we're doing, Coming to
1: America, Halloween, Friday the 13th, Robocop, Nightmare on Elm Street, Aliens, if you think you know those movies, you don't. And one of the beautiful things about making this show for Netflix is not only do they give us a very generous budget, Mm -hmm. but Netflix does this thing. I've never seen another company do it, but like, as long as you don't go over budget, they just let you deliver kind of whenever you want. So I have made less money on these shows than I normally would because we just keep like, we had locked Aliens when Sigourney Weaver agreed to do an interview. Okay. So that delayed us delivering four episodes by like two months Oof. because we had to recut the Aliens episode after Sigourney did her interview. That's on me. Like that's my choice. Yeah. And Netflix, again, is so cool because they're like, Yo, if you want to deliver two months late, no problem. But don't ask for more money. And I'm like, I never would. Yeah. And so yep. that's, that's the beauty of the show is that because of the budget and our schedule, we are afforded a very rare opportunity to do. I mean, we do three and a half months of interviews. We pre-interview every subject except for the celebrities twice before we do the actual interview in the show very few documentaries have resources like that
0: so here's the last question how in the hell did uh coming to america a comedy type movie make it into this like scary horror where aliens and all those are in there
1: it, it It's what I said a minute ago, like, it's all about our schedule. And on, so Sigourney Weaver, that delayed all the episodes we hadn't delivered. Yeah. But there was an interview, it was John Landis. I really wanted John Landis. And it really, sometimes, like, you have to ask over and over and over to Ten people to get. I'll give you a great example. The reason we got uh, Gail and Heard was because um, how did, like we got Gail and Heard so randomly, and then Gail, who you have to understand these people's point of view, like they're sick of talking about these movies. Like they've yeah. been talking about them for decades. So. I don't think she was jumping up and down to do it. And I don't blame her. But after the interview, she was so happy when she was like taking her microphone off, she was like, did you get Carrie Hen?' I'm like, no, she won't do it. And Gail Ann Hurd was like, she whipped out her phone and was like, Carrie, Gail Ann Hurd, why aren't you doing movies that made us? Call me. Who else? Dude, Sigourney Weaver did the same fucking thing. Yeah. After Sigourney was done with her interview, she and I were hanging out on Zoom talking. And she was like, Did you get this person? Did you get that person? And I'm like, no, they said no. And oh, oh, dude, that's what it was. Sigourney got us Gail and Heard. Literally, wow. Sigourney texted Gail in front of me. Yeah. You need to do movies that made us. So we had that with John Landis, because we, fin- we finally got him to say yes.
0: And that delayed the episode. Wow. Thank you so much for being on Toys on Tap. Thank, thank you. you. Yeah. And thank you for making another season of the movies that made us. We look forward to more. By the way, because you are
1: toy-centric, don't forget about a toy store near you. There That's we go. Our show on Amazon. Please, please support that show. Do you want to plug anything else before we get off of this?
0: Season four is coming out this year. I, I love to hear that. I'm talking to Rich later this year, so I'm excited. I love it. There we go. Thanks, Brian. Thank you. Have a good one. Appreciate it.